Hello, welcome to episode 166 of the Juicebox podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Omnipod and Dexcom. As always, you can learn more about the Omnipod at myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox or at the links in your show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com. And the same goes for Dexcom, except they spell it a little differently. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox and those links in the same places. I got this really wonderful note last year from Patty. She told me a little bit about her diagnosis story and the anger she had carried for a very long time about her diabetes. She actually said that she was not a very good keeper of her diabetes. Sometime last year, after finding out that her A1C went up, Patty decided to try to do something about it. She'll tell you more in the episode, but eventually she found this podcast. And a little while later, she sent me this incredible note that I'm looking at right now. Well, you know, I had to ask her to come on to tell the story because it was just really special. I want you to know two things about this episode. One, Patty's a little soft-spoken, so listen closely. And two, nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making changes to your healthcare plan. Hey guys, listen, I was hoping to have my Dexcom G6 review for you this week, but Arden's been feeling a little under the weather. Her blood pressure's actually been kind of low, and we're in the middle of trying to figure out why that is, so I'm a little behind. So if you can be patient, I'll get to it as soon as I can. I really like it. I think it's very worth upgrading. But I'll get back to you with some more details as soon as possible. For now, this is Patty. Okay, my name is Patty, and... I've been a type 1 diabetic since 1993. Um, I am a registered nurse. Um, I take care of the geriatric population. Um, and I have a very spoiled cat that plots to kill me on a regular basis. You're very good at this, Patty. Excellent. So, um, oh, and just as we get going, my daughter wants to do her bolus for lunch. So hold on one second. Uh, okay. We're going to bolus trying to remember what was in that lunchbox uh let's just call it 10 units and do extend 60 percent now and the rest over half hour and she's back on her way hopefully she'll just say okay and go away and Let's see. Come on, Arden. She's read it. Okay. So, ni- 1993. Sorry about that. 1993. Um, how old were you in 1993? 11. 11 years old. I want you, I told you before we started recording, every podcast I've almost ever recorded, I say to somebody, go ahead and introduce yourself. I'll ask you a question and we'll get going. And... I never know what I'm going to say, which is, I don't know what kind of a, a truth that is about the podcast, but nevertheless, I don't, I don't pre-plan it. Um, but for you, but for you, I know my first question. Okay. Okay. Back in 1993, when you were 11 years old, tell me why you got in the bathtub at two o'clock in the morning. Because I thought that somehow that would, um, help with how thirsty I was, 
Um, I don't think I was actually thinking very straight at that time, but I figured why not put on a swimsuit and goggles and go for a swim in the bathtub. And, you know, maybe I thought with osmosis it would, like, help me feel less dehydrated. But <laughs> So you were looking for any way at all to feel hydrated at that point? Yeah. Yeah, and... And even at 11, which, by the way, is old enough to recognize that swimming in the bathtub at 2 in the morning is odd. Uh, so so you, it's not like you were six and you're just like, you know what might work? So you, you climb into the bathtub. I think the first obvious question we don't really need the answer to is, did that in any way quench your thirst? No, it didn't. It did not. And <laughs> <laughs> who found you in the bathtub? Uh, my brother did. How old was he then? Um, I... He's about probably maybe 17. So he was a number of years older than you at that point? Yeah. Okay. Brother finds you in the bathtub. I'm assuming he gets your parents. Yeah, he says, you know, this is kind of weird. Maybe you should come check this out. (laughs) (laughs) You have the best diagnosis story. So, um... (laughs) So you're in the bathtub. You did have goggles. That's not just hyperbole. You were actually had goggles with you. I I actually had goggles. I was I was all about swimming. Oh I mean. my god, this is great. <laughs> okay, so you're you're goggled up. You're in your swimming suit. You're in the in the bathtub. Your brother finds you. He goes and gets your parents. Your parents, I'm assuming, look at each other quietly and think, "Oh God, this one's nuts." But then ask <laughs> you. But then ask you what's wrong. And what did you tell them? Do you remember? Well, um. I, I think I was pretty honest with them. I just said I felt like swimming in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really didn't see a problem with it. Although at that time, I was also starting to get the Cosmo respirations, um, which I think was freaking them out more than the fact that I was in the bathtub with a swimsuit on. Yeah. And so you're panting, uh, and it's obvious at that point. Yes. <laughs> okay, so they they take you to the they probably took you to the hospital by the way to abandon you there. But then when they found out you had diabetes, they're like, "Oh, that's okay. We'll hang out with her." Like, can we take her to a fire station? Is she too old? She'll find her way home again. <laughs> like, what do we do, right? Um, but but so so you said in your note that an hour later you were you were pretty much being diagnosed with type one diabetes. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah, they took me into the ER and. The doctor, I guess, took one look at me and said, oh, my gosh, she's diabetic. Wow. Well, that so now that person knew what they were talking about. That that's you don't hear that very often. You don't hear a lot of people going in and just getting the answer right away. But, right. Which is OK. So but you were pretty far along at that point because you probably didn't end up in the bathtub purely out of like an 11 year old flight of fancy. You were probably your blood sugar was pretty high. You probably weren't thinking very clearly. Right. It was a gradual build up. Um, I I had totally forgotten about this, but my mom had reminded me that when I was in fifth grade, I was the only fifth grader that demanded to have a water bottle on my desk because I was so thirsty all yeah. the time. Yeah. How long did and that go I, on for, do you know? I It felt like it was a couple weeks. Um and when she had reminded me, then I remembered that, yeah, I actually, I did have a water bottle. Yeah. And that's going back even, I mean, 93, 
Let's do math. Why don't we do 2003, then another 10 would be 2013, it's 2017 now, 2014, that's like 24 years ago. So um, I know you're impressed with my math, Patty, but just <laughs> try not to, try not to, you know, get too excited. It's okay. I'm math challenged too. So, <laughs> so, so you're looking, it's, a, it's quite some time ago. Um, did you, what kind of tools did they give you in the hospital to, to try to cope with a type 1? To be honest, I really don't think they gave me that many tools. Um, they really didn't explain what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember at one point I had to be on a keto strip, and the reading was large, and I looked at this person, and I don't know whether they were a nurse or not, and I just said, well, is that good, or you know, what What does that mean? And, and she kind of gave me sort of a, eh, well... Not really, but they didn't really explain why I was doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, they were testing my blood uh, frequently, and they weren't explaining to me what was going on, really, or why they were doing it. And they weren't explaining to my mom why they were doing it. Uh, so my mom was starting to get very angry because of the lack of communication, um, you know, about why they were doing so they were just sort of handling you, but not taking any time at all to explain what was happening, why it was happening, or anything like that? Yeah. Okay. So you get out of the hospital. That experience, you you said in your note that that experience did not sit well with you, and it stuck with you for a really long time. Yeah. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Like when, so when you got out, did you feel like, uh, did you feel like you knew what you wanted to do, what you were doing? Did anyone eventually explain it to you? Did anyone eventually explain it to your mom or were you just like, did they give you the old, here's your insulin, here's your needles, good luck? What did you get? Um, well, prior to diagnosed, I had been seeing a physician assistant and obviously I wasn't going to go see them anymore. Um, they had me go to a pediatrician that specialized in uh, diabetes, a pediatric endocrinologist. And um, I remember going to, I'm not sure if you want to call them like classes. It was just me though. Um, And I remember they told my mom, have me go like run around on the playground and let her what it's like to have low blood sugar (laughs) before I go back to school. So, um, yeah, they had me do that. So so this class told you to get your blood sugar low before going back to school so you'd know what it felt like when your blood sugar was low? Yeah. Ironically, that's not the craziest advice I've ever heard for 23 years ago. It's not good advice, but it's not it's not the worst actually. Of it just sounds like there were people sitting in a lunchroom somewhere going, "What can we tell these kids?" And, and you know, and so but you went into that class without a parent, just by yourself. Um, I think my my mom might have been there too, um, but I don't really remember her like being in the same area that I was or if she just sat in the waiting room. Um, I remember I played this. It was, I don't know what kind of game it was, but they had me play this game where you had to go through the city and you had to avoid the sugary foods and then you had to eat the good foods. And I just remember these bizarre looking bananas that were walking 
down the street, and if you run into them, uh, something would happen to your blood sugar or something like that. Oh, well, that sounds exactly like diabetes. You bump into a banana and everything goes wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. You, and, and I'm sorry, your hospital was on Mars? Where, where was this exactly? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, so <laughs> how did this initial experience strike you? What, I mean, were you left, obviously asking a, a leading question that we all pretty much know the answer to, but were you invigorated and excited to take care of your type 1 diabetes or, or what, were, what were the first numbers? Oh, no. <laughs> not, not so much, huh? Yeah, so kind of tell me a little bit about those first years and, and how they hit you sort of emotionally and, and, and that side of it. Um, well, I, I was obviously very angry. Um, I'm not sure exactly if I was more angry at being uh, diagnosed so late or if I was just angry at diabetes in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I also knew that I was depressed and I was trying to say that message to staff and my parents and um, nobody seemed to really be getting the picture that yeah you know maybe it would have been good to talk to somebody about my experience in the hospital because um, I've you know, listened to a lot of diagnosis stories and um, I mean I don't hear too many where the doctor is telling you that your blood sugar was 1,376 and, wow. you know, you're in, you were in cardiovascular shock and, um, you know, I, if my, I had just slept it off like the physician assistant told my mom to do, I wouldn't have been around. 13, um, Patty, 1,376 was your blood sugar? Yeah. And I know I shouldn't be proud of that but sometimes like when i tell people the diagnosis story i'm like yes and i had the highest reading at the hospital well yeah i mean i think <laughs> the listen the highest aside it, it sounds like you were the closest to being dead that you could have been and you're back from it you know what i mean like that's the there's a heck of a triumph in there i, I don't think you had much more time like you, you know what i mean like that like you said, you didn't really bring it up here, but you talked about it in the note, and we're probably confusing the two things, but that you did go to a doctor prior to the to going swimming in the bathtub, and, and they told you, like, flu-like symptoms, go home, sleep it off, that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Um, well, you're lucky the, to be here. <laughs> really? Yeah, the doctor said that, my parents, that if I had done that, I would have died that night. And, um, and they, when I had interviewed the emergency physician who saved my life um, in 2015, he was saying that they they were very worried that I wasn't going to make it, even though I was there, um, that they were struggling to get vein access because I was so dehydrated. And um, uh, So you, you, went back to, <laughs> you went back to talk to that doctor a couple years ago? Uh, yeah, I did. Because um, I've I really um, struggled to accept my diabetes, and I've been working with a therapist, Mike, who's like my okay. kind of like cheerleader. So, mm-hmm. 
I could use a cheerleader too. I got to be honest with you. If someone would walk around behind me, like doing like little like sis boom ba stuff during the day, I think it would be easier. I really. What do we want? Good blood sugars. What do we want them? No. Forget that. You can make it to the car. (laughs) Go grocery shopping. You won't cry while you're there. Um, You know, like stuff like that. But but um, okay. So you so so this is I think the interesting part and where we're really going to talk, which is. That you're talking about in 2015, you're still you're still digging away and digging away, trying to figure out how to deal with this in your life. Because, in all honesty, for 20 years, you just you by your own admission, you haven't been doing very well. Is that is that right? Yes, that is right. So the depression did it stick with you, or did you find a way through that earlier, or would you have considered yourself still depressed about um, in the recent years? Uh, still depressed. Um... It was especially bad in middle school with, you know, the addition to hormones and everything else. Um, and I just, you know, never really got over that initial experience of being in the in the intensive care unit and waking up with an IV in my left arm. And, you know, I'd, I'd be upset because my parents would have to go home at the end of the night because back then, you know, the parents weren't allowed to, to sleep overnight with their kids. Hmm. So, you know, just like left in this white room, you know, <laughs> it was a real trauma. It was a, it was a serious trauma for you. Now, can, can I ask you, did you have any, um, did you have any depression prior to the diabetes that you're aware of? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Um, okay. So your diagnosis you know, for a number of really good reasons was, was really impactful on you in ways that didn't lead you into, um, exciting times, we'll say. Uh, and, and so for, for literally 20 some years, you've been battling with that place that it, it put you in. Um, have you had, uh, are, are you, are in that time, are you diligently working towards your diabetes and not having success or are you having success? Are you not, are you not what, you know, considered, you know, does your doctor feel like you're doing a, um, it's so hard to talk around because I I know some people don't like to hear the words, good job and compliance and management, all that stuff, but let's just save it for the, you know, I'm not judging you, but for the, you know, for the terms of the conversation, would you consider yourself someone who spends time every day keeping their blood sugar in range, or was that not working? Were you just, was it going uh, up and down? How much would day like, I guess? <laughs> I was probably, con- probably the most non-compliant diabetic uh, in the state of Michigan, probably. And what does um, that look like day to day? Well, um, you know, in middle school, I would... I would make up numbers, um, you know, with, when I was testing my blood, I would, oh, yeah, that's great. And, um, of course, the A1C always made me into a big fibber, um, but I would also, you know, I was also on injections up until 2005 when I got my first insulin pump, so... um a dozen years. You, know, I you were, you I were injecting for things. a dozen. You were injecting for a dozen years then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so basically, whatever you tested and the number came up, 
you were just like, it's perfect. And then you'd rattle off some <laughs> number that you thought was great if someone asked you. And did your mom just accept that as, you know, would you call Oh, it? no. No? So how did they no. handle it? Well, um, in the early years, it was kind of like the diabetes. Um, you know, they didn't want me to go to sleepovers right away because they're worried about my blood sugar going low. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I couldn't go to... Like I, I um, played violin, and I wanted to go to Interlochen, and I'm like, well, no, you need to go to a diabetes camp first. And um, I was getting very uh, resentful or angry at, at them because I felt like, you know, all this is because I'm diabetic. And um, it, one um, memory sticks out was when I was in 4-H, and it must have been some, like, Christmas party or something, and I remember there were, like, all these, like, desserts and everything on the table, and then my mom's like, and here's some sugar-free cookies, and them, um, yippee! <laughs> <laughs> sugar-free cookies? Those two words don't go together. Um, <laughs> have some tasty kale. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, right. So, so it just... I mean, you got the full, like, snowstorm of diabetes. Like, it just, every time you turned around, n- nothing was going your way, basically. Um, pretty much. And I was also um, still in denial. Like, I I figured, well, hey, if I just ignore it, it'll go away, or and that'll help me be more, quote, normal, unquote. Yeah. But, um, of course, if you... That doesn't I didn't work. Ignore it. it doesn't work. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll we'll read a story in six weeks and on in some raggy newspaper somewhere that ignoring diabetes is the way to take care of it. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, obviously, it's a childish thought, but it's also a thought that you know comes to people when they're not children if they're have they've been so overwhelmed by something that they just can't imagine a pathway out of it. Right? You just sort of. You don't want to give up. You don't want to say to yourself, I give up. So you go, look, you know what? I bet you this will just be okay if, you know, I don't, you know, and you get that feeling in your head, like, like doing nothing is doing something almost. And I was also a very angst teenager. Um, I'm sure my mom would have sold me to the gypsies if she could have. Mm-hmm. Uh, gypsies? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, you know, so I, I remember I would think I was very rebellious because I would have like a liter of regular Coke in my closet. Be like, okay, I'm going to drink this and not really care what it does to my blood sugar. Right. And that was in high school. So no, uh, no. that was in middle school. Still in middle yeah. school. How did high school go? Did you find any clarity there as you got older and you matured more or did it just go on a little more of the same? You know, I think with the, my depression got worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really found it hard to relate to other people. I think there were maybe two or three other diabetics in the whole school system, um, but I never really connected with them. There was um, one person that I started to get to bit better once I started later on in high school and then in college, um, but I've... I haven't talked to recently um, that I could somewhat relate to, but um, 
yeah, it, I was just, I, I feel like um, part of it was like, because my um, being depressed, uh, my depression wasn't addressed, that it made just everything else 10 times worse. No, I mean, that, that makes a lot, I don't, I don't feel like I've ever been depressed in my life, but I, that does make a lot of sense. You, you, you know, I mean, if you think about what depression is and how it can affect you and then having it on top of something like that type one, just, you know, geez, that's magnified a million times constantly all day long. Right. I mean, that's had to have been what it felt like is that all day long, everything was sort of conspiring against you to make life difficult, I guess. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and then and how do you fight back with it? You don't have the right. You're diagnosed 23 years ago. You're not given great tools. The technology really wasn't there to help you. Your mom wasn't. You know, your mom. Your mom didn't. It's not like she had a firm handle on it, and you just weren't listening to her, right? Like so, everybody was a little overwhelmed by it in one way or another. So I'm I'm stunned, amazed, and sort of. I don't know. I found myself feeling proud for you. Like, I don't know how you got through high school. Like you graduated high school and went to college. Mm -hmm. I, uh, seriously, it's a, it's a heck of an accomplishment when you're battling against all those things. Um, and, and, but you did, you went to college. was college. I don't, I don't want to belabor the point, but was college more of the same or did you find a light at college? Um, more of the same. Um, how do you uh, keep, it, Patty, I don't want to <laughs> cut you off. How do you keep going? Like, like you, you have the constitution of a bull. You, 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 <laughs> seriously, right? Like your blood sugar's all over the place. You're depressed, and you still go to school, graduate, go to college, graduate. You're you're an RN. Uh yeah. I um uh, I originally went to school for uh, composition theory, so I have a I have a bachelor's in music. Um, but then when I realized that I couldn't get a job with health benefits, I decided I need to um find a career that would kind of help with that. So um, I got interested in nursing and gradually tested the waters and um, found that I really liked doing it. And um, but uh, So you hold two degrees that you got while you were depressed with type 1 diabetes that was out of control. <laughs> Seriously, Patty, without the depression and the diabetes, you'd be an astronaut. I mean, oh. <laughs> I'm not kidding. No, I'm horrible at math. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the people who you're getting medicine for feel good about hearing you say that. So, uh, I don't know, one, two, four of these, whatever. <laughs> but, but Luckily, no, that's simple math. <laughs> but, but, but so, you know, you're, you're the first person that, you know, I get a, I get a number of you know, I get a number of emails, people thanking me for the podcast. And some of them, I'm just, I'm always just like, well, I'm like, thank you. That's really great. And each one of them makes me honestly very emotional and, um, and happy. And, but yours, I was just like, you have to come on the podcast and tell people this. Like you, because you really were just sending me a thank you note. You told me a little bit about your background and said, thank you. And that's sort of the, the reason I wanted to have you on is because of this, right? Not that your story is not fascinating. Not that I wouldn't just sit here for an hour and talk about you swimming when you were 11 years old in your bathtub because I'm delighted by that. But, but, because, but because I'm forever trying to get across to people that no matter where diabetes has sort of stuck you in your life and, and, and no matter how you're struggling, that I do think there are simple pathways to 
feeling better, doing better, being more healthy. And in the end, it's just me saying it. I think that people who aren't depressed, who aren't overburdened by it, hear that and go, oh, that sounds hopeful to me. But I'm also aware that it could sound to other people like BS, like, oh, yeah, sure, that's not for me. My life doesn't go that way. That's that's your good luck. You 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 know you were lucky with diabetes. The way it hit you, the way it struck you, the way you understand it, the way you know the tools you have, whatever it ends up being. But that, that that's not my reality. Is is how I feel like it can be seen by some. But your reality is, and let's be honest, Patty, about as terrible as possible. And okay. so I appreciate that you're laughing. And, and and yet, tell me, tell everybody what you told me at the end of the email. The new Dexcom CGM is here. The G6 has arrived. You can always know your glucose numbers and where they're headed with the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitoring system. By the way, it's now FDA permitted for making diabetes treatment decisions without finger sticks or calibrations. Guys, listen, I gotta tell you, I am working my butt off here on this ad and I am just in the worst mood. Been worried about Arden. Um, listen. Let's just be honest for a second. No big voices or anything else. If you wear a Dexcom continuous glucose monitor, you're going to be able to see where your blood sugar is going, how fast it's getting there. You're going to be able to make treatment decisions before you run into problems. The new G6 has a predictive low alert. can actually tell you that in 20 minutes, it expects you to be 55. That gives you so much time to do something with a blood sugar that's like in the 70s. You can set your high threshold line, like ours is at 130, so that as soon as you bump up over that number, you can make some adjustments to keep you from getting any higher. So when Dexcom will tell you on their website, like, you know, A1C reductions, historically, um, they'll say like historic results here, I'm gonna read it to you, historic results based on Dexcom G4, G5 systems, A1C reduction. The Dexcom CGM is proven to lower A1C and reduce hypoglycemic events. That's what their historical data tells them. What I'm gonna tell you is, is that when you know your blood sugar's going up and you do something about it, it doesn't go up. And that's what lowers your A1C. We talk about it here all the time. You guys know what to do. I just, I don't have the energy in me today to be like, hey, buy a Dexcom. But please, look into it. You'll be really happy you did. And I'll be happy if you use my link. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, where the link's in your show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com. Tell everybody what you told me at the end of the email. Well, that I listen to your podcast and your, your outlook and the um, suggestions that you gave, I feel like I got more out of that than any endocrinologist that I've ever been to. And that really is the honest truth. Um, I've, I've been really listening to your podcast pretty much every day. Um, and each one I take a little bit from and I can relate to. Um, and especially the one um, bold with insulin, um, I think that had the biggest impact on me um, because I've I've never been fond of the idea of low blood sugar, um, and so on purpose I've kept my blood sugar higher than it should be, um, just so I don't have to feel low blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's. Um, you know, it's really made a, a, a impact on me, and um, yeah, I mean, I've, I haven't always been good about wearing my Dexcom 
sensor, and um, I've been wearing it now for um, about two to three weeks. And what I do is I, I, I've been doing a screen capture of, like, my graph for 12 hours and 24 hours, mm-hmm. and I send it to Mike. Um, Your cheerleader. Yeah, my cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, a- and when I gradually started sending these ones where my line was, like, staying steady at 100, and <laughs> he emailed me back, and he's like, who are you, and what did you do with Patty? <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, Patty, I want to tell you that I got your email later at night. My wife and I were in bed kind of, you know, at the end of a day. And I read it in bed. And she looked at me and said, are, are you crying? And I was like, no, not crying. I was crying, though, Patty. I had big tears coming out of my eyes. And um, and she said, why, why, why are you upset? I said, I'm not upset. I'm really happy. And, and uh, she said, why? And I told her, I'm like... I, I can't even let you read this again. Like I can't read this twice tonight. Like if I read this twice, I'm going to, I'm going to fall apart. I was so thrilled for you. And, uh, and seriously, just really pleased for you. You know what I mean? Um, and, and I did, she did, my wife did wrestle my iPad from me and she read it. And then she even said something nice to me and we've been married for over 20 years and that never happens, Patty. So (laughs) you got my wife to say something nice to me. You're apparently my cheerleader, by the way. So, um, so thank you very much. And, and but, but moreover, I can't believe that I'm almost gonna, I'm almost gonna just be crappy to myself. It's a, it's a podcast. It's just like a silly podcast. And and but it really struck you, right? So, I think that what I'd love to understand and what I'd love for other people to hear, and I don't know the answer to this question, is what about this? turned you because you are a person who in case it hasn't been clear to people up until a couple of months ago your entire 23 years with diabetes has been just as you explained your middle school your diagnosis your high school your college your adult life it has been a burden and full of depression and not really trying to take care of yourself in a way that you were you even wanted to and so i just think whatever came out whatever you got out of this I, I want to know what it was. Like, I want to know how it struck you. Like, what, what is it that, I mean, how? I, I'm, I'm at a loss, honestly. Well, um, you know, I got to make a disclaimer that happy pills and therapy every week also help. Oh, fine. So um, I've done nothing. Uh, right away. Pat, <laughs> Patty's here to tell everybody that if you're depressed, take Zoloft or something and, and, and go to therapy and then a podcast. will sound. So the podcast is useless. So go ahead and say, no. It. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So, okay. So how long have you been, um, how, how long have you been using, I'm, I'm using, you're using like SSRIs or something like that. Um, I was, um, but now I'm on, I'm on kind of a combination. I've got Wellbutrin and Adderall mm-hmm. and Cymbalta and Latuda. I think one and, of those makes your hair grow. I'm not sure. Mm. I, watch, <laughs> I watch a lot of commercials where they say things about Zimbalta. Uh but, but I'm just kidding. I don't know what Zimbalta is. <laughs> I have no idea. But okay, so you've, so you've found a therapist who's sort of gotten you on a cocktail that's, that's put, well, you, put um, you in a better way? Well, actually, 
doesn't prescribe any medication psychologist, but mm-hmm. I do have a nurse practitioner that I also work with, and she prescribes and monitors the medications okay. for that. Um, but so one reason that Mike has been very effective for me is that I can't BS him mm-hmm. um, like I have with other therapists. Like, it's, it's not possible. Like, he totally knows when I'm being a big fibber. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> yeah, no. Please. And I kind of need somebody to kind of call um, you out, right? Call me out on that. Yeah. Um, and and it definitely has not been easy to discuss. And um, I'm can be very good at deflecting the diabetes topic and finding other things to distract with. But um, he's. Luckily, he's very patient with me. Yeah, so. he's keeping you on foot. So, so I guess the, the first step was finding someone who would be a strong, you know, ally, and at the same time, somebody who would call you out if you tried to deviate away from the conversation. And and that yeah. that's been very valuable to you. At the same time, you've addressed the the depression with medication, which is also been valuable, I think. And did that? Do you think those two things together made you? Did you did you suddenly wake up one day and think, "Wow, I want I want to take better care of myself"? No, no. Um, it actually was a recent uh, visit to the endocrinologist. Um, my A one C had gone from nine point one to nine point four, mm-hmm. and you know when I um, found your podcast, this was after my appointment, and I wasn't. Being totally serious with myself at first, I'm like, well, maybe I'll just go and see if there are any podcasts about diabetes and, you know, just check it out. I wasn't really expecting to change my outlook very much, um, but the more I listened to your podcast, the more um, things started to click with me and make more sense, um, especially uh, like for example, the Dexcom settings and, you know, your high limit and your low limit. And it made total sense for me to think, well, okay, why would you set your Dexcom to 250 and then get a warning? Um, because by that time, you're super high. And it takes forever to get back down. Um, and just by, so I decided, okay, I'm going to adjust that. Um, and I was starting to notice results and I started adjusting it even more um, and I think by getting that immediate back of being um, it, trying to uh, do like uh, micro boluses and um, bumping down high blood sugars being able to see that right away um, really made a difference for me that um, uh, podcast where you were talking about that, it really kind of opened my eyes. Like, well, hey, this doesn't have to be like this. This, um, and I mean, just and just the way you you talk on podcasts and and you have a good sense of humor and a, and um, you you always seem you always mention you know it, it's not going to always be perfect all the time. There's no such thing as that. And, diabetes land um but you i like how you say to um you know take what uh 
data you have and try to figure out how that happened and how to make it better for the next time. Um, just being able to put that into my technology um, and seeing those results, because I think one of the tricky things with diabetes is you know, everybody tells you about complications and how, oh, yeah, you're going to lose your foot in an eyeball and maybe grow a third arm or something if you don't take care of your diabetes. Mm -hmm. But you don't see any of that right away. Um, and and so you're not getting instant feedback um, as to what's going on, whereas being, wearing my CGM and trying these techniques out, I'm seeing, well, yeah, it is possible that I can get it in the range that is where it's supposed to be. Um, and yeah, I am going to have uh, spikes and stuff where I need to figure out what happened or if I didn't uh, do the bolus right, but um, it's not the end of the world. And I, I, you know, I kind of prior to this, I would always um, define blood sugars as either good or bad. And um, it, and I, I realized, well, if I keep doing that, I, you know, I'm just going to have <laughs> bad blood sugars all the time, and then I'm not going to feel good about myself. Um, so trying to look at it more from just it's it's a number and I have this goal and I'm trying out these techniques um it just the more I realized it was possible to do that the more I felt kind of inspired to and motivated to um do what you're doing um and trying your best to keep the blood glucose as stable as you can um, on a daily basis. Well, Patty, I think what you've just said is that I'm delightful, and thank you. I heard you. And I'm just I'm joking. You, because you've <laughs> made me uncomfortable by being so kind. But, um, but it was, it was I, just, I just liked listening to you talk just now because it, 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 made, me, it made me feel lucky that the things that we talk about here occurred to me. You know, because I just as simply could have been you, you know what I mean? I just as easily could have been a person who didn't get a good lead in and didn't have somebody with me to kind of spur me on and, and you know, could have been, you know, I mean, you were getting this feedback your whole life, but you couldn't process it and nobody was there to help you process it. And you ended up just making me feel very fortunate. And, um, and, and I'm glad that whatever has happened to me, uh, and my daughter and whatever has kind of transpired in our lives and, and, and stuck to us as, as, you know, kind of the ways we do things. I'm so glad that it got back to you and that it found you. Um, yeah, I just, I'm really pleased for you. And, uh, and I'm excited that you're on a new path because this is a very new path for you at the moment. And, uh, and just to hear you talk about not, you know, to bumping and nudging a line around and, and and wanting to know when your blood sugar is heading up, not being told an hour later after it's already two fifty, you know uh, that stuff just makes me like I feel like I'm glowing inside. I'm so happy for you. Yeah, you, you know, um, I'm thrilled. I really am. I'm saying nothing of value right now because you were so kind just now, and uh, that I can't think, which doesn't happen very often here. So <laughs> you kind of shut me up. 
Patty. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's not good for the <laughs> podcast if I can't talk. Uh, <laughs> uh, but seriously, I'm I'm genuinely thrilled for you. So so I guess let's talk, you know, in the time we have left, let's let's talk about like some real like nuts and bolts stuff. So you um are you pre-bolusing? Savvy podcast listeners heard this ad coming a mile away. Guys, listen, I'm in the same mood as I was when I did the Dexcom ad. I will tell you this. Arden's blood pressure has been low for a few days, and there's a lot of stuff going on around here, and we're trying to figure things out. Now, a secondary issue on top of diabetes you would think would be overwhelming, but I really have not found that to be the case. Earlier, I spoke about the Dexcom. Now I'm going to tell you about the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. These tools make Arden's management so simple is the right word that I don't feel overwhelmed by diabetes. And when something else in life comes up, it's not like something's piling on top of something else. Arden's having an issue right now. We're going to figure it out, but it's not like I'm being inundated from all sides. And I really believe that her care, that her management, which is driven by Omnipod, and the decisions we can make about her insulin and the delivery system we have for her insulin. It just makes everything more manageable, simpler. And so when something else in life like this comes up and I'm all bummed out right now because I'm trying to figure something out that I don't have my head wrapped around just yet, I'm not also thinking about diabetes. And maybe that's the greatest thing I can say about Omnipod is that it really does make your life simpler. A little less diabetes, a little more the other stuff. Links in the show notes, links at juiceboxpodcast.com or myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Find out more today. Omnipod sends you out a free demo pod. And you'll really be able to get a feel for it from that. There's no obligation and it's absolutely free. So give it a shot. I've just talked right past the music. Don't even care. Here's what I do care about. I did spend the other day editing this episode with Patty. She's a real treasure. I, I really hope you're enjoying this the way I am. Here she is again. We're going to ask her if she's pre-bolusing and some of the nuts and bolts stuff that she does around her day-to-day diabetes. I I am trying to. Um, uh, definitely at breakfast I am. Um, lunch I'm a little bit more wary of because um, of the job that I work at. Mm-hmm. If there's you know, a crisis that happens at like 11.29 and if I bolus for my lunch, probably not going to a good idea for me um i have tried it a little bit but i'm still kind of working out the kinks and trying to avoid low blood sugars although that's another thing that um i've tried to be more vocal about my diabetes at my workplace Mm -hmm. um and i have some very very supportive co-workers um fellow nurses and um, Cena's who uh, understand um, what I'm trying to do, and I've used the Dexcom Share app. Um, and so, if I go low, um, then um, I have a few nurses that get notifications. Um, oh, and wonderful. I also shared it with my mom too. So, um, you know, I'll get a, a text, or they'll come out of their office and be like, "Are you eating something?" And, um, <laughs> You got a lot so, of cheer- you have a lot of cheerleaders then. That's amazing. Yeah, you know. Um, and it, yeah, and so it just kind of makes me 
feel more comfortable to to have that support and uh, and they really have have been looking out for me and I've explained what I've been trying to do as far as getting my blood sugars under better control um and you know sometimes when I, if I, I I know sometimes when I get low blood sugar I get kind of crabby and so sometimes my phenols will be like you need to go test your blood you're getting crabby so um, well, it's it's amazing that the the feature on the Dexcom allows you to have have that option of people to just sort of be able to see it in case you don't see it and to be able to just show their support for you and it's even more fascinating that you knowing that they have the option to see it is making you more comfortable and more kind of bold with your own care. That's uh so so in the past you've just felt like if I should take too much insulin here I'm on my own and I'm I'm going down, and pretty much yeah yeah, yeah. wow yeah I I have, haven't really been this vocal about my diabetes and what I'm trying to do. Um, also, sometimes I'll post a graph on like a 12 hour span of my graph on Facebook, to kind of make myself also account- accountable and say, okay, you know, last night was a good night in diabetes land. Or they're starting out a little bit rough today, but um, and my coworkers will also ask, you know, how how is your blood sugar doing? Um, but so you're sort of building yeah. your own community, then, really. Yeah, and it helps if you work in healthcare because I they understand they, a little better. They understand it a little bit better, although there are still, you know, some individuals who sure. Have old ways of thinking about diabetes. Think but you ate think you ate too much candy when you were eleven, and well, yeah, well, that, yeah, that, that or, kind of thing. Or they mix up. You know, you need to take more insulin if your blood sugar is low, and no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> I know somebody like that that just can't get it straight. It's <laughs> always bringing the wrong thing at the wrong time. You're low. Here's your pump. <laughs> You're high. Have this soda? No, <laughs> why, why can't you keep that straight? Uh, but but wow, Patty, you've had a complete and utter turnaround in your life in the last few months. Are you thrilled? Are you excited? Like, how does how does it? Do you feel hopeful? Like, where 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 are you at? Um, I feel hopeful. Um, I've also noticed that I I physically feel better. Of course. Um. I'm not as tired as much. I'm not having to bathroom as much. Um, I'm also, I know that blood sugar makes, uh, definitely affects my mood. And so um, not always being high has also helped with my mood and keeping that good. Uh, or, or, you know, reasonable. and Reasonable. Um, <laughs> well, I, I hope people... Uh, appreciate that when you said that sometimes when your blood sugar is low, you can get crabby, that I did not make any kind of a SpongeBob SquarePants reference at all and call you Krabby Patty. And so, oh, they do it all the time at work. Yeah, well, Krabby you know. Patty. <laughs> God, Patty, I don't even know what you've really just, I'm so thrilled listening to what you're saying that I've now become a listener to the podcast and I'm not hosting it anymore. Um, <laughs> and I apologize to everybody for that, but I but I hope you can understand. I just it's never happened to me before. I just listening to you talk about about what start you know where you were and how and I guess maybe it's not even where you are right. 
as much as it is for how long you were there. And then to, to, because I mean, I'm guessing, but 23 years into it, I don't imagine you thought this was ever getting better. No, yeah. I didn't. Um, I had a pretty grim outlook. Um, and I would always get frustrated myself because, I, you know, I would tell my things like, well, if I can go through nursing school and survive nursing school, why can't I take care of my blood sugar? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, why, why can I do one area of my life, but it seems like, you know, the diabetes is always an epic fail. Um, so so you, even your successes made you feel bad. Yeah, some yeah, somewhat. Or I would uh, go go on these like spurts where like I'd be I'd be really focused on say carb counting or whatever, and but that would only last like a week and a half or something. And oh, then carb counting's a bummer, Patty. <laughs> that's why I don't count carbs. It bums me out. So, a lot of insulin, a <laughs> little bit of insulin. That took this much last time. That kind of thing. That bolus you heard me give Arden at the beginning of the podcast, I didn't. I tried to remember what was in her lunch, and then I was just like, eh. <laughs> then I just randomly picked a number of insulin. Not randomly, but I chose a. I chose a bolus. Then we're. What are you and I about? Gosh, we're fifty minutes into this, and I didn't talk about it up front. But Arden's blood sugar was a little stuck today, so it was one forty on her CGM when she said it was time to pre bolus for, for lunch. Um, I gave her 10 units, you know, which is meaningless to other people. It's, you know, obviously the amount of insulin for the amount of food is different for everybody, but I gave her 10 units with an extended bolus. So I gave her 60% of it or six units right away. And I told the, I told her to extend it over a half an hour. So the, the remaining four units went in over the next 30 minutes. She didn't start, Mm. she didn't start eating for 15 minutes after the bolus. Probably I have to take a drink. I'm sorry. Um, She's 120 now, and uh, she's sort of drifting down. She's done eating, I would imagine. And now that I've had time to reconsider, there were bro- it was in her lunch today was yogurt, broccoli, two Oreo cookies, a grab bag of blue Doritos, a half a sandwich with Nutella on it. I want to say there was also watermelon, a nice slice of watermelon, a iced tea with no sugar, and hmm. I don't know if there was something else or not. I think that was probably it. But best guess, if I sit here and think about it, the bread probably was, I don't know, 18 carbs. And there was probably, what, eight carbs in Nutella. The chips are probably 20. Now we're up to like 40. I know the 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 cookies were another 20, so that's 60. You know, watermelon doesn't seem to touch her. She won't actually eat much of her yogurt, so I don't know, maybe another 10 there. Um, and then from there, the broccoli, nothing, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then a, a unit or so for the blood sugar that I wanted to come down, and 10. But I didn't do any of that math when I was talking to you in the beginning or when she was there. Just... Yesterday, it took nine units to bring her, um, or nine and a half units to get her at lunch, and she didn't have Oreos, and so I added a little more insulin this time. I gave her a little one, more, more up front than oh, I did yesterday. I'm sorry. Oh, one, um, one thing trying to figure out carbs for me is that it, it, my mom makes a lot of um, homemade baked things. Cake things? Um, so, 
that well yet. I understand what you're saying. I just want I did you cut out for a second. I wasn't certain that you said cake things, but I got you. Homemade uh, cake things. Go ahead. Uh, baked things. Baked yeah. cake. I understand. Krabby Patty. All of a sudden, huh? Yeah, I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and and I always uh, have trouble figuring out, you know, carb content in there. Mm-hmm. And I saw this. There's this scanner out there where you can uh, scan the food, and it it figures out the chemical combination. Um, and reflects light back to it, and then you can figure out how much carbohydrate is in the, and you use the weight of it really to figure it out. And it actually is; it has worked out pretty well. You you have the um, thing? I do. Wow, is it a tricorder? I'm sorry, that was a Star Trek reference. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> What's it called? I, I think it's called uh, no, or it's spelled S. I-O. S-I-O? I'll have, yeah. to look, I'll have to look at that. That's amazing. Now, I would tell you, cut a piece of cake, give yourself some insulin for it. If it takes more insulin to bring your blood sugar back down, next time you have a piece of cake, use that amount. Mm-hmm. Right? But then I wouldn't get a cool laser beam. So, you know, <laughs> that's why well, I Well, you know, if I wanted to out a dinner date or something, I could take out dinner and you can also point at them awkward. and see how many carbs they are. So what is it? I'm, I'm now online. We're now doing the least interesting thing on a podcast. I'm going to Google something. So what's it called? <laughs> um, it's spelled uh, S-I-O. It's about carbs? Let's and, see. And there's an app that goes on your phone, and um, and you have to select the category that you're scanning. Um. We're pulling into question my uh, my Google Foo here. It's not going well. Um, nutrition guidance, SIO, personal training guidance. Bomb. All right, you're gonna have to send me a link. Do you have a link that you can share with me? Yeah, cool. yeah. All right, um, I don't. Let me it. see if I'm spelling it right. I'm just going to try tricorder instead while you're doing that. Hold on a second. Oh, it's called uh, Diet Sensor. Diet Sensor, which, by the way, is not SIO. Hold on a sensor. Diet Sensor. <laughs> All right, Patty. Oh, dietsensor.com. Let's take a look. No, it's not a laser beam. That's a little bit of a letdown, Patty. But okay, it looks pretty. So, personal nutritional advanced telegraphy. All right, I'm going to check it out. <laughs> I am. Why not? Give it a shot. So you just point. You can with... always pretend that there's a laser beam. Oh, don't worry. I will. <laughs> don't, don't you worry, Patty. There's going to be a laser beam when I push the button if I get this thing. I'm going to check into it. I really, I mean, why not? So you tell me you put, you do it and it tells me how many carbs are in my food if I know the weight of the thing? Yeah. That's so I can scan uh, a piece of bread and... um. It'll give me um, the amount for a certain amount of weight, but then I put it on the scale and I just plug in the number for how much it weighs, and then it gives me um, the amount of carbs for that. And I tested it out on a piece of candy, and it was very accurate. Is it expensive? Uh, well, it's a little. Two fifty. It's like two forty. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna look into it. Nobody go get it yet. We'll try it. We'll try it out. See if we can find a. See if we can get them to send us one and give it a shot. Okay. <laughs> All right, Patty. Listen, 
We're up towards an hour. You are absolutely delightful. I said earlier I was delightful, but that's not true. You are. And oh. uh, and seriously, I just really appreciate you doing this. I appreciate you reaching out. And the thank you note was just really well received on my end, I want you to know. And I, I genuinely appreciated getting it. Um, but your story just in general, just it knocked me over. And, and now that he, to hear it you know, spoken in your words is even... It's a little more than I could handle today, obviously, everybody. There's gonna people are gonna people who listen to the podcast are gonna be like, there was minutes where Scott didn't talk. Uh, which must have been bizarre. They must have thought my microphone was not broken. I was just I just kept listening to what Patty was saying and thinking, wow, she's she's come so far and 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 your your perseverance is seriously admirable because I've I don't know that I could have like slogged through twenty three years and still found like light at the end of the tunnel, I, I, I might have given up. So uh, I, it's just amazing what you're doing. And I want to congratulate you on it and wish you the best of luck moving forward with it. Well, thank you for doing these podcasts. Don't stop. All right, I'm Patty, I won't stop. She's a lot of pressure for me, but okay. Um, yeah, well, listen. I learned something all the time with them. So. Well, Patty, you're in luck. And I joked with somebody the other day, so probably somebody will hear me say this twice, but I've sold ads for the year already, so I'm stuck. I can't stop whether I want to or not at this point. I have to put out a <laughs> podcast. But actually, you know what? Joking aside, that's really great because the sponsors you know, make the podcast possible with my time and, and, and that kind of thing. And in the times when... I'm sort of like, oh, God, do I really have to do this right now? Like, I go, yeah, I do. And then, you know, and it doesn't happen to me often. But there's, you know, you can imagine that sometimes life will get away from me or I was sick when I had to put one out one day. And I was just like, I, the last thing I wanted to do was sit down at my computer and 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 put together, edit, and upload a, an, an episode. But I just was like, you know what? Like, I've made promises to people, and, and so I followed through. Not that I need that to every day. Most days... It's just really cool to talk to people like you, uh, but 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 seriously, I appreciate it. I don't. I I need to stop talking because I sound. I know I sound foolish today. So, um, thank you very much. I wish you just a ton of success moving forward, and uh, please, I, I hope you keep in touch. I will, and, th- and thank you very much. No, you're. It's it's really my pleasure. Thank you so much. I, I hope you have a great day. Thanks. You too. Oh my God, Patty is adorable. She really is. My mood just got better hearing her voice at the end say, you too. Listen, guys, thank you so much to Patty for being open on us, talking about her her sadness and her anger and all the things that she's done to try to get herself back from those feelings. That's really incredible. Thank you also, Omnipod and Dexcom, for sponsoring the Juicebox podcast. You guys can go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox or Dexcom.com forward slash Juicebox, or go to juiceboxpodcast.com. Links in your show notes. Please find a way to give these great devices a try. Next week, we're going to do an episode with all you Instagram folks out there, T1 Junebug. You're going to like it a lot. It's really great. And with any luck, I'll have a little update for you about Arden and her blood pressure will be back to normal, I'm hoping. Knock on some wood here. And uh, that's pretty much it. I'm sorry for my lack of enthusiasm during the ads and stuff today. Just uh, there's a lot going on here. I'll see you guys next week.